Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. That's our craft work theme. Um, and I'm Sarah D. Bunting. I am here on Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, as I always am, with my splendiferous co-host, Mark Blankenship. Hello, Mark. Hey! It is, as we record this, and in fact, as you're going to be listening to this, birthday week yes. for Mark, my pod husband. Um, let us all take a moment to celebrate in our hearts and minds. Cue so, cheering soundtrack. It only it only it's only fitting that Mark brought us our topic today. Mark, what are we discussing and why? Yes, well, and even more fitting, you and I decided to talk about this in the midst of celebrating my birthday in another town, which was fun. <laughs> yes, accompanied by the authors of our theme song today. That's true. Jack uh, Baldelli and Laura Barger, who co-wrote and co-performed the theme you heard today were there as were uh andrew byrne my husband and sarah so there was just a lot of mastassery and we found out that both jack and laura sleep in their mastis t-shirts uh as their pajamas yes Ooh, good tip um speaking of um gift giving occasions thank you for reminding me we still have Mark and Sarah talk about songs t-shirts. I will provide a link um, in the show notes so that you can have a look. Um, those are uh, 15 bucks, including shipping. If you're in the States, 20 bucks. If you're outside the States, uh, all the information will be at that link if you would like to order one uh, for yourself or for a friend or loved one or enemy. I don't know your life. <laughs> um, but anyway, yes, they're black t-shirts with white writing. They say Mark and Sarah talk about songs on them. Shocker. Um, and uh, very, very tasteful. If you just don't even need any information, just email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com and we'll just send you one. If you just want to live wild, just yeah. do that. <laughs> it could be any size. You're like, oh, an extra small. Put it on the dog. We're easy. Okay. Thank you for tolerating that distraction. Mark, back to back to the background. Yes. Yeah, so as we reach the end of the year, Sarah and I, we're having a lot of conversation about how do we commemorate the end of the year? What do we do? And then we finally just decided, ah, let's not worry about that and just talk about some songs. So <laughs> uh, I had started by thinking that I was going to be talking about um, another song. But then over this weekend, uh, the most recent, the Grammy nominations were announced. And unexpectedly, Brandy Carlisle received nominations for album record and song of the year which is huge because expectedly on twitter the response from a lot of people was who the hell is this but longtime listeners will know that we sarah and mark certainly know who the hell brandy carlisle is because we first talked about her back in episode nine and i thought this was the perfect occasion to bring her back to the podcast because the song that was nominated for record and song of the year was her exceptional in my mind song the joke which was the lead single from her also Grammy-nominated album, By the Way, I Forgive You. And were I to do a ranking of my top 10 albums and songs of the year, I will just, spoiler, tell you right now that both The Joke and By the Way, I Forgive You would appear in the top 10 on both lists. 
So without further ado, and before we dive into all that, let's listen to a clip of The Joke by Brandy Carlisle. You get discouraged, don't you, girl? It's your brother's world for a while longer. You gotta dance with the devil on a river to beat the stream. Call it living the dream. Call it kicking the ladder. They come to kick dirt in your face, to call you weak and then displace you after carrying your baby on your back across the desert. I saw your eyes behind your hair, and you're looking tired, but you don't look scared. So, Sarah, question for you. Did you know this song before I brought it to the table today? I did not. Um, I don't know how well you remember, listeners, that our previous Brandy Carlisle selection was a much different song called That Year. Uh, I feel, Sarah, that we could probably agree that this is a vastly different sonic experience than that one. Yeah. Um, if I hadn't known it was Brandy Carlisle, I wouldn't have known it was mm. Brandy Carlisle. I would have thought it was like a Radiohead tribute band <laughs> because, uh, yeah, like, no, I mean, no shade. It's sort of a value neutral statement in that, like, both the the way that she's wailing on the chorus and some of the chord progressions are kind of Radiohead-y. Very true. Yeah, I hadn't even thought about that. But now that you say it, you're absolutely right. And it was like... um a poppy seed at the gum line for like a minute and a half listening to this for the first time until I could nail down that that's what it actually reminded me of. And that sense of sweep that you get in a song like uh, little or fake plastic trees, I feel like that this song has that as well. And it's one of the reasons that I personally really love this song. I mean, I don't think anyone who's been listening to this podcast for more than 15 seconds is going to be surprised to hear that if a song has a certain majestic quality, I'm into it, especially if it's a woman wailing. And the song itself is about people who get shit on by America, basically. And uh, women, immigrants, queer people, and... Uh, Brandy Carlisle is trying to say, you know what? The joke's on those people because we're going to be all right. And you get lyrics like, I've seen your eyes behind your hair and you look tired, but you don't look scared. I'm into it. And I feel like that the assuredness of the lyric is more than matched by the assured howling swoop of the vocals and just the confidence that it takes to match all of that with some fucking strings and drums and just, girl, just giving me everything. It's like the sonic equivalent of being at a fireworks show. And one of the things that I find so exciting about the song is I've always known, or at least as long as I've known her music, that Brandi Carlisle was a great singer. I've seen her in concert several times. 
she's incredible, but I've never heard her sing like this. And then it, in the clip, you hear a bit of what she's going for, but by the end of the song, she is reaching these vocal crescendos that make me just want to buy a novelty-sized large big lighter just so I can hold it with both <laughs> hands over my head and wave it back and forth like a semaphore so that airplanes full of spirits can touch down on this ground and know for once about the beautiful power of religion and soul that is called her voice. <laughs> I need to get grand too, I guess. Anyway, Sarah, as you can tell, I'm into it. Well, I have a qu- I have a question. Um First, let me begin by saying that when I came to this song for prep, I was in a um, deeply bizarre headspace for it, which I think may have affected my openness to it. Mm. Here's what I had been doing immediately prior. Reading the autopsy that was performed on my grandfather in 1953. Whoa. Now. Let's let let's back up. My grandfather, um, there was nothing in the autopsy that we didn't know. There was like a little um, c- color uh, that was sad, I, I guess. It, it's sort of strange to be doing like detective work um, in this way on this person who died 20 years before he was born. But there was nothing, there was no new information. My grandfather did not die a scandalous death um it's slightly more complicated than this but basically he had a heart attack in the coat room at work he was 47 not much older than i am we share a middle name that's what's going that's what's going on when i sit down to listen to the joke um (laughs) so you know this relative of mine who i didn't know personally like it's it's weird, but I feel like maybe that was like casting a, a slight shadow over anything that I was going to do after that that I mm. didn't realize was going to happen. And um, it, while it, well, all right, let me just get into let me just get into the question because I was kind of having trouble plugging into like the the lyrical content of the song because all right here's my question for you is is there any irony in in what she's singing because my notes say you know the joke actually usually isn't on the them that she's talking about the joke is pretty much still always on us mm-hmm. on women lgbtq plus uh new arrivals to our nation etc and my i got the sense that it was possible from her delivery that she understands this and is um that she's singing she's delivering this like glorious defiant vocal and trying to talk herself and everyone on that side of the battlements with her Mm. into not losing hope and if that's the case if this is a sort of like 
not laughter through tears, but kind of like, you know, the things that you have to tell yourself in during dark nights of the soul. Mm-hmm. Then I think it is a really like beautiful, sad poem of just trying to maintain, just trying to look at that little pin that little white pin at the end of the tunnel and be like, there it is. There's the light. It's not a train. It like just holding on. But if it's more direct and sincere and she's like, you know, fuck bullies. We're all beautiful. Um, and is not necessarily acknowledging that it, particularly in the world in which we currently live, that is, that is not a reality that many people on the same side of the battlements as she is can look forward to, then I was having a little trouble relating to it. Mm -hmm. Did any of that make sense, first of all? Yeah, I think it's interesting. Uh, I I feel like I want to respond in a large way first, which is to use that classic liberal arts education response of, I think the song is flexible enough to mean whatever you need it to mean <laughs> as a listener. Okay. But like truly, I feel like if that is if this song speaks to you as a sort of bruised and partially ironic ode to people who just have to keep getting up after everyone tries to knock them down, then so be uh, it. P.S. Uh, listeners, yes, that is the um, Chopin-esque tinkling of a piano that you hear in the background, and I sort of love that while we're having this, you know, this song is flexible enough to contain both hope and sadness that this is so, like sort of a downbeat song, and then there's there's your husband's yeah meanwhile my husband is, sounds it, it, in the background it's teaching a vocal lesson to a musical theater student yes we moment. we too contain multitudes anyway excuse me for interrupting please continue so i feel like if the song it seemed to me if i may be so bold that you might be currently standing on the razor thin edge between liking and not liking the song yeah and i would say why not give yourself permission to let the song mean for yourself what it needs to mean in order for you to enjoy it. Well, I just feel, I don't know why I need like sign off from her or you or Google or whoever to be like, no, this is what is happening because I, I do feel based on the delivery of the vocal, like she is, like literally throwing her voice mm-hmm. into this, you know, into the ring. And then the way the video is shot, which is this um, sort of evolution of self-confidence mm-hmm. amongst the subjects who are shot um, sort of not super close up, but very straight on and in the beginning are just sort of staring at the camera, but then by the end have let themselves be loved mm-hmm. um, and protected by the song, which I think is great. And, you know, like I can sort of take or leave bombast, but often I, I will take it because I think it's, you know, I think it's great. But um, there's, there's something about the, um, 
just the wailing that she's doing, which is gorgeous. She's definitely got the voice for it, but it's not necessarily a joyful sound. Right. It's well, like a, I mean, not despairing, I wouldn't say, but just like the, this is this is combat, not victory, I guess I would say. But I guess I should just let myself think that. And if that's the case, uh, it's really this very complicated, harsh, beautiful thing. Well, this is making me remember the first time that I saw Andrew Wyeth's famous painting, Christina's World. Because why not? Uh, perhaps you know it. It's a young woman uh, sitting on a field. She's sprawled there. She's holding herself up with her hands. She's got one hand gripping into the earth. And she's looking in the distance at a farmhouse with some birds. Or maybe it's a clothesline in the background. Can you picture that painting? Have you seen it? Um, I'm, sure I've, I'm sure I've seen it. It's not immediately familiar. Well, point being, when I brought home a poster of that from my high school trip to New York and framed it and put it in my room. My mother saw the painting and said, Oh, look at how peaceful that is. You know, what a lovely scene. And I thought, wow, to me, this is a painting about feeling trapped. And it's a feeling, it's a painting about despair actually. And the, the, the furious need to claw your way out of something that you feel trapped in. And I guess to me, I, Andrew Wyeth may have thought a third thing altogether, but the painting means both things equally because that's what my mom thought. And that's what I thought. And even if I were to find supporting evidence that one of us was correct, according to Andrew Wyeth, I wouldn't want to, eliminate the validity of the opposing interpretation. And so I feel like I can absolutely see inside of this song and these lyrics and especially the sound of this song, the battle, not victory spirit that you find there. And I think that's perfectly valid. And I honestly haven't really, this is, kind of sound surprising perhaps given all the shit I just said haven't really thought about it that way until right now but my immediate response to when you asked is there irony here was yes because well yeah because it's Brandy Carlisle yeah so you like, sort of figure like like yeah, her not someone who's going to be like everything's great for queer people like oh word <laughs> her yeah her catalog <laughs> let's, is let's see the arithmetic <laughs> oh really cool where do you live <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, like uh, her, okay on a on Big Rock Candy Mountain. Cool, <laughs> but like Leave nothing in Homegirl's catalog is uh, simple in that emotional yeah. way. Yeah, I, I'm looking too at. Uh, I've pulled up the lyrics and I'm just looking at them. Uh, in the first verse, for instance, uh, it's talking about you're feeling nervous, aren't you, boy? With your quiet voice and impeccable spot style. Don't ever let them steal your joy and your gentle and your gentle ways to keep them from running wild. Basically, like, hey, you're an effeminate, quiet, neat homosexual. Uh, they kick dirt in your face, dress you down, tell you that your place is in the middle when they hate the way you shine. I see you tugging on your shirt, trying to hide inside of it and how much it hurts. Well, I've seen how it ends and the joke's on them. I mean, that to me is not bland vanilla everybody's great baby you're a firework bullshit because 
it spends so much time carefully articulating the specifics of this young man's shame. And yeah. And I same thing with the woman in the second verse who's like hiding behind her hair. I think it comes across to me as someone who is also bruised herself saying, Hey, I see you. I see that you're hiding. I see that you're hurting, but fuck them. We're not dead. I feel like there's a certain like solidarity that doesn't diminish or ignore how fucking hard it is all the time. Yeah. That's, that's what I was just going to say that I think even if it is a somewhat, I think in denial is too dismissive, but let's just, you know, use that as a placeholder for right now, but a sort of like, um, a, affirming, like, don't worry, you come out on top in this story, even if that is somewhat, um, you know, bullshitty. But it's just like everything happens for a reason. Kind of the platituding, even if it is that. Um, I think that she doesn't sugarcoat everything that has to happen before you get to the end of that movie. Right. Right. So if, you know, I think, I think part of what I was having trouble sitting with Mm. was that, was the idea that like, well, you know, I've, I've seen versions of this movie too. And sometimes they're really fucking dark and, and tragic and, you know, maybe nobody want, wants to hear a song about that at this particular juncture in American history. But there's, there is something about the way, the way she sings it that is so um, alive with fury mm. that if I, it's sort of like, well, I cannot imagine that someone with this level of craftsmanship that I know she has just like mismatched f- form and function. Mm. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's also telling that you're like, this is, you know, beautiful and affirming. And I'm like, this shit's fucking dark. But you know, I also uh. think that when I think about myself though, that is what I find beautiful and affirming. Honestly, like songs that are that acknowledge darkness tend to be the ones that I find the most powerful. I mean, it makes me think about the conversation we had like two years ago at this point about when I was a boy by Dar Williams, you know? Oh yeah. Songs that, oh my God, <laughs> some, of the, some of the episodes that I'm like, Oh yeah, we, I should go listen to that again. It's like 110 it's, episodes it's like ago. It, it's like it never happened. But, um, I feel like for me, I, I'm thinking through this as we talk, but, the reason I no, find same. the reason I find this song moving and the reason I find Brandy Carlisle an artist that can move me is I feel like that she puts in the effort to sketch honest experiences for her characters. That she puts in the effort of making sure that you know that some shit is hard and she details how it's hard so specifically that when she then says, but guess what? the jokes on the people who are trying to kick dirt in your face, because at the end of the day, you get some kind of victory. I don't necessarily imagine it as the generic victory of loving yourself. I feel like it's more that. Right. No, I don't either. That they can't kill us all. The joke's on them. Well, (laughs) I mean, that was dark, but yes, I, I agree. That's where it's coming from. And I also think there is a, um, 
huh, relatable pettiness to to that. Which yeah. is like, uh, yeah, the the they'll live to regret this. So, well, you uh, know, I mean, look, I I enjoy, I enjoy um, smug self righteousness <laughs> sometimes. Well, and so. it's also making me think about other songs on this album because this song exists inside of this album, and obviously, to, at least to me, I know many people do not listen to albums anymore. But hey, here I am. She also has a song on the album called Fulton County Jane Doe, in which she is singing to oh, a Jesus. She's singing to a woman who died a Jane Doe, and she. The chorus is. Um, Somebody called you something sweet once. It was more than Fulton County Jane. Oh, jeez. I mean, that's where my homegirl is going. Or um, in the very last song, the sensational song, Party of One, which just as we're recording this just today, released a music video starring Elizabeth Moss. Um, oh, my God. It's okay. It, it's a song about uh, two women in a very, very dysfunctional relationship, but they find by the end that they still really believe that they belong together. But it, but it features a verse like this. Don't even think about your freedom or taking that flight or going back upon your promise after fighting for the right, because your eggshells and your eye statements and your weaponized words are paper tigers. Now your eye statements. Yes. Oh, that's brisk baby. So I feel like in the context of this album, you think about someone who has just shaded someone for their I statements, but still at the end, <laughs> but, but then by the end, and then she also says, and your constant overthinking and your secretive drinking are making you more and more alone, she says also. But by the end, she says, I am yours, I am yours, I am yours. She says it like 15 times, and there's this swell of strings that comes back, and it's like the song sort of lifts up into the clouds, and she's like... But despite all of that, I am yours, and the song just becomes this cloud. I feel like in that context, I'm realizing now that the joke absolutely is tinged with that blood in the mouth. And yeah, yeah. girl, yes, good question. 25 minutes ago to get us started. <laughs> uh, so I guess I will. I guess I will dedicate this um, discussion to my grandfather why not here's a man who can't take a joke he wails and battles and bows here's a man who lost his control I can see we all can see y'all Mark and Sarah talk about songs is hosted by Mark Blankenship aka me and Sarah D. Bunting and it's edited by Sarah D. Bunting as well do you want to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests ads or birthday readings email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com tweet us at talksongs or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast to become a supporter and producer of this podcast, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus, where you can get access to all kinds of cool bonus content and vote in our ranking episodes. Thanks for listening.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.